Hello one and all, 52 is the magic number right now. In my hands, a deck of cards like no other. On each of them a question that could be anything from what two minutes of your career would you like to relive to who are your three ideal dinner guests. 52 sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos, as you know, the UK's largest operator, 52 venues nationwide, and that web address is grosvenorcasinos.com. And it is nearly time for the first bell, but not before I introduce today's special guest in just 52 seconds. As a boxer, he was a loud mouth, tough nut, fight anybody, heart of a lion, get knocked down, get back up again, devotee of the brutal art form. That man we call Tony. As a person away from the ring, he's a hard-on-sleeve, sensitive big soul who has never lost touch with the community that made him, who loves his family and loves his football club. Which one the most? I'm not quite sure. That man we call Anthony. He appeared as the star enemy of Apollo Creed's son in the smash hit movie Creed, but in real life, he's a rocky story. Often underrated, picking himself off the canvas and achieving glory, including in his greatest ever moment at his beloved Goodison Park. And that was a venue where he once called me the C-word and meant it. He's gone 12 rounds, but now it's time to face 52 cards. The bomber is here, Tony Bellew. All right, mate. Hello, mate. How is things? You did mean it, didn't you? I always mean it, mate. Should I tell the story quickly? You can tell whatever you want. So my mate goes, I've got two tickets in posh seats at Goodison Park for the Derby. And I'm like, all right, okay, I'll go. I sit down, he's in front of me. So I'm like, oh. He turns around and says to me, I'll do your accent badly here. If you say a word to me, I'll have you. If you score and say, <laughs> anyway, Mane scores last minute. You'll remember the game. Tony is looking like he looked at David Hay just before the first bell of Hay Benny won. So I said, I can't say anything. I'll just follow him up the steps as he's leaving. And we got to the last step. I just stared at you the whole way up. I didn't say a word. We got the top step and he literally just turned and looked at me. We can bleep this. And he just went, you and then just walked away. But you did text me like a month later mm. and was like, apologies for that. I finally cooled down. <clears throat> it took it took quite a while after Mane had done that to me, the horrible little man. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at you much worse than I looked at David Hay. I only ever looked at David Hay with excitement and contempt. Yeah. Because I was going to get to punch him in the face. I knew I couldn't actually punch you, Colin. So <laughs> it was a different look. <laughs> That's certainly not the face. Not the face. Um, right, let's shuffle up. Are you ready? Let's let's see what luck brings me this time. Any card. First of all, it's the seven of clubs. What's your first question, Tony? Who's the greatest manager or coach you've ever worked with? Easiest one for you. It's actually not, and it's, it, it'll be unexpected what people think. So I've obviously had two careers, an amateur career and a professional career. The greatest man I ever met and was taught by, I believe his name was Jimmy Albertina. Uh, Rotunda ABC's coach, he's the founder of Rotunda ABC, uh, was one of the best people I ever met. Uh, I was only under his tutelage for two to three years, but uh, he obviously predicted I was going to go all the way. When Jimmy passed away, I was one of the six people to carry him. And the way the, he was carried was two champions from his past, who he coached, two champions from present, and yeah. the two boys who you, Jimmy thought was going to be future champions, and I was one of them future ones. So I don't know how much he predicted or how far he thought I'd go. I just knew that he predicted I was going to be an ABA champion anytime soon. Uh, the year after he passed, I lifted my first ABA title. We, we talk about a coach putting the arm round a, a player, a boxer, or mm. whatever the sport is, and saying, you'll go far. Mm. 
I can't imagine ever having more inner strength than a man who you admired so much in his passing Hmm. saying, you'll carry me Hmm. to my final resting place and you'll be a champion. That must have stayed in your head full time, even now. It did. I always think of him and I'm very close to his family, still his two boys and his beautiful wife, Bernie. He's never far from me thoughts, so I always remember him and I always stick with him. It's been a long, long time now since Jimmy passed the best part of 15 plus years it's been. But as I said, no more than a couple of days ever goes by that I don't think of him. And this was your amateur days. Mm. And was he a crunk style trainer? Because I'll say one name and you'll know why I say this name. Mm. Rob High. Yeah. The only amateur boxer who managed to still be in his feet. This is not what amateur boxing is meant to be. Mm. Tony, you knocked everybody out. <laughs> so I can only assume that his training style, if I was going to use a comparison, must have been what was going on at Rotunda. must have been quite Cronk-esque almost. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but he had his own style. He had his own, he implemented things differently. And I'd come across other coaches in me time, but no one was like Jimmy. Like A lot of coaches were very quick to applaud me and congratulate me and give me adulation. Jimmy was the complete opposite. And I always yearned for his adulation. I always yearned for his approval. You know, so one of the things that happened uh, going into my first ever championship, it was a novice finals taking place in Nottingley Sports Centre in Leeds. So this boy who I was facing had won his previous semi-final 10-0 on points. I had won my previous semi-final by stoppage in the second round. So when you look in the boxing news back in the day, it was like a, a, a very old newspaper. Yeah. And you would go to the back and get the amateur results. I'm looking at the amateur results. You see your opponents won 10-0 and you think I'm facing a genius. So you, you, your ass is twitching a little bit. <laughs> I passed that off to Jimmy. Jimmy could see in the, in the dressing room I was a little bit, I wouldn't say nervous. I've only ever been nervous for two fights in my whole entire life. I was apprehensive. I was a, I was a bit annoyed looking around. This boy kept walking in and out of my dressing room and I was wondering who he was. Uh, the third or fourth time he'd done it, I jumped up and said, you come in this dressing room again, Jimmy shut me up and told the boy to leave the dressing room. It was the boy who I was going to fight. He was trying to get under my skin before the battle no. just to make me nervous. I didn't know it was. Jimmy obviously switched on. Gets in the ring, sees the boy. But the bell goes ding, ding. I come out, one, two, it misses. I stepped out of range, stepped back into range. So on a one, two, it missed again. As I came back with the left hook, boom. Kid's fast asleep on the floor. It's still the fastest knockout in amateur boxing history that I know of. It was six seconds. The referee did not even count one left hook and this boy landed flat on his face and was clean asleep. <laughs> I always remember jumping on the ropes and saying, it'll probably sink in. Now, this was nearly 20 years ago. I jumped on the ropes as an amateur boxer in his corner and I was screaming to the crowd, I am the best user I'll ever see. <laughs> this is what I do. Look at him. This kid was fast asleep on the floor. This is unheard of an amateur doing this. It's frowned upon the officials. Yes. were furious. They were screaming, get down. And I said to Jimmy, Jimmy, I knocked him out in six seconds. Jimmy's words were exactly this. He looked up at the ropes at me. Fucking shite. <laughs> <laughs> and he walked off. I just knocked someone stone cold in six seconds. I never took a punch. I never got tapped on anything. And his response was fucking shite. I love it. And that was Jimmy all over. We might have to record 52 episodes of 52 for me to get an answer I like better than that. And just one word answers, because I'm not allowed to go off script too much. I'm going to go Goodison Park to win the title. Yeah. And the Usek fight, maybe? Is that the two nerve, nerves? Yeah. 
Uh, no, no, nervous. No, 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 no. You no, said no, it was no. only ever two. No, only ever nerves twice in my whole entire life, and one of them was my first ever amateur contest okay. against Rob Beach from St Helens ABC. I stopped him in the third round. I turned up at the weigh-in, and I barely had a bit of fluff on my nuts. This boy turned up <laughs> and had a hairy chest and a hairy face. My ass was shitting it, to be totally honest. I was a very late developer, and at 15, I couldn't believe I was going to face him, so I was very nervous. Second time. Blatantly obvious, uh, only professional fight I ever got nervous for was, was Goodison Park. Nice. My ass fell through my shorts walking to that ring, and I honestly, that's the closest I've ever came to a heart attack without even mm. doing any kind of physical activity. Wow. I wonder what that come out. We'll find out. The next question is the riffle. Say stop. Stop. Your question is as follows. Now, I should tell you at this stage, if you get a pair or above in five cards, mm. Grubner Casinos will give £1,000 to the Cares Trust. So, really nice touch by them. The carers trust. Yes, absolutely. Who do they look after? The carers Just trust carers. helps those carers who give up their time, that volunteer their time, family members and volunteers who give okay. up their time to help elderly people who are at home Brilliant. and stay at home. So, that's amazing. We, so far, we've given away a couple of grants, so that's but nice. The casinos are giveaway and do things <laughs> like that. It's absolutely fantastic. So, fair play. I know, I know. Right, easy. Five of clubs, so you haven't got your pair yet, but you're on for a flush. Oh, you and you got a wee straight coming up, maybe. If I get a flush, do, do the casino pay me as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, we get 10 grand to play in the roulette. Um, where do you keep your medals, awards, trophies? Where do you keep This is going to go down absolutely fantastic. In the loft. Right. So what else is in the loft? Old books? You Just know, my like... missus doesn't let me put them on show. She said it junks the house up. The only thing <laughs> I've got is a... <laughs> The only thing I've got is a WBC world title, and she's even put that in me fucking wardrobe now. Really? Yeah. Um, Rach is a better person than you. I'm just yes. going to put that out there to Much start. Better. She is. And I, I don't take this the wrong way. I like absolutely fell in love with her when I met her. Thanks for that, mate. No, I did. Though. So she's, did I. That's she's why I've got four she's, kids she's... to her. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's all out in a bag of chips. I, mm. I love her. And... I'm okay with that. Like, mm. I remember interviewing Kumar Sangakara, a great cricketer, okay. and um, he had won the World Cup and all that, and he said, don't hang in the house, is that medal, and it's because my kid wanted it. Mm. A lot of people say, you know, medals in the drawer stories. Mm. Who cares? It's the memory of winning a Goodison for you. It's it's those two hay fights when no one gave you a cat in hell's chance, apart yep. from me, waiting! <laughs> Um, and you know you prove people wrong it's not what you got at the end of it it's not my presentation right it's never that you know what mate in all honesty everybody says to me the highlights of your career what is it? I mean nothing even comes close to Goodison Park if I could have put it into words I wish I could have retired the minute Goodison Park fight finished I'd achieved my dream I'd been British Commonwealth European and world WBC world champion at the dream location the dream scenario, I mean, I didn't enjoy getting my nose snapped in half and then getting put on the floor in the first round, mm. but it was the dream end goal scenario. I'd won all the belts. I'd done everything I possibly could. The minute I became world champion, I remember sitting downstairs on the Monday, early hours, Monday morning, seven or six, seven o'clock, and my missus came down the stairs in the kitchen and she said, will you stop now? And I said to me, listen, girl, I'd love nothing more than to stop, but I haven't come this far just to come this far. Yes, I've achieved what me set, I set out to do. Mm. My lifelong dream is fulfilled, but we're as far away from financial security as we were at the start of this game. Yes. The only thing we own is where we're sitting right now. I, I just literally was about to pay off the mortgage for my house. Mm. And if I'd have done that at that moment, I was potless. Yeah. So I said to her, 
I, what I will promise you is there's not long left and everything now that I do and everyone that I fight is purely about financial goals. You have a few fights before that. Mm. A few might be an exaggeration, but you'll tell me what. It was 90 grand purses. Yep, less. Like, yeah, so so the, it wasn't like you were... It's not like where Joshua was in the build-up to... I got £90,000 to face Matthias Masterneck for the European title in a right. 50-50 fight. David Hay called me, well, his advisor called me, before the Matthias Masterneck fight and said, pull out against Matthias Masterneck. I said, why? He said, because have a fight on Dave. He said, you're your, your premier heavyweight bout, your first ever heavyweight bout, and then your second heavyweight bout, you'll face me. And I said, listen, I said, the only reason I watch the channel Dave is to watch Bullseye. <laughs> I said, that's the first thing. I said, and the second thing is, I said, I've gave Eddie Amy word that I'm going to fight Masterneck. He said, you haven't signed the contract. This is what his advisor said. You haven't signed the contract. So it doesn't matter. I said, I shook his man's hand and told him I'm yeah. going to face Matthias Masterneck. Yeah. He said, well, you can face a heavyweight of your choice in your first heavyweight fight for nearly double the amount that you're going to face Matthias Masterneck. And I said, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Shook hands with the man. I've agreed yeah. with him. I phoned Eddie and told him. And he said, well, you haven't got a contract sent me. So, you know, if I was advising you, I'd say do it. I said, well, I'm not doing it. I'm going to beat Masterneck. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to get to David Hay eventually. Yes. And eventually we did. It's time for the stacked deck. Okay. A good time to mention it. We're sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos, 52 outlets throughout the UK, which is perfect for this. And uh, the website, of course, grosvenorcasinos.com. I had to pick this one out. It's the two clubs, so we're still on for that flush. The question is dead simple. What is the first football jersey you ever owned? Please let it be a Liverpool top. Please. No, no, this no, is why I picked there. it. I was like, on the 1% chance no. that his uncle or his granddad My or somebody... My father's a Liverpoolian. Oh, why is My father's a Liverpoolian, but I was a rebel as a child, so what right. did I do? I went with my eldest brother, Craig, and uh, he got me my first ever Everton jersey. I can't remember exactly which one. I'm not sure if it was half, half Ina oh, or, yes. or NEC. What year were you born in? 82. Oh, I was 77. Do you remember when in the... You old bastard. Uh, I know. Do you remember when in the... Yeah, how did um, you look younger than me? That's crazy. I think it might be something to do with not being a boxer. Uh, um, potentially. <laughs> um, do you remember winning the Cup Winners' Cup against Rapid Vienna? Of course I don't. I don't remember some of my kids' names. Never mind Rapid really? Vienna. I, really? I, I remember it through my brother. I remember, I, I remember the stories they've told me. Yeah. The only thing I can remember in full, honest confidence is the 1995 FA Cup final. Crazy. You see, and the Charity Shield win, and the uh, and a fair few derbies in there, but yeah. not enough. So I was born a Liverpool fan, right? There's yeah. like no choice in it. But I remember being told that Everton were the neighbours; they were just right beside. Mm. So your child brain goes, "I must like them." Then you don't think oh, of stupid okay. rivalry. So I, I always remember it really well because my white socks had been dyed in the wash by accident okay. for Jim, and they were blue, and I was wearing these blue socks, and you went three one up, and I remember waving it above my head, and then I remember, I remember my family going. You doing? Actually, I've always carried that where they're only a sporting rival. If Liverpool finish first, because I love the city and I'm I'm a plastic, mm. I have no right. I'd second would be all right with me every time. Okay, well, it's a bit different being an Evertonian. Correct. So what I'll say is is because you're better. First of all, I didn't choose. I was chosen. <laughs> That's the first thing. And number two is oh, with time. Point. With time, I used to be the most horrible, bitter Evertonian you've ever heard, seen and heard. I used to despise and hate Liverpool. Yeah. A few years ago, I lost my brother-in-law in yeah. an absolute 
a horrendous tragedy uh, that we still don't know the ins and outs of. But to tell you the reason why, I don't want to say I'm happy for the. I don't want to say I'm made up and they win things. But what I do is I accept it a lot better. And I also, which it's going to absolutely, Everton fans are going to say whatever they want to say now about me, which I've been told that they don't step foot in Goodison Park again saying things like that. I smile when they do well. Right. And, 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 and I'm not saying I want them to win the league or I want them to win the championship, but when they do win it, I just smile and I'm, and I'm, I'm a part of me is happy so I don't give a shit what any Everton fans say because no one loves Everton football very few love Everton football club anywhere near to the level I love them and adore them but I must say they just it makes me happy and smile when I see Liverpool do well these days so glad I picked and that and that's because of Ashley. So you horrible copite man that's what you've done to me <laughs> you're right you know what we do we grow up yeah and we get scars, and mm. the scars are more important than some stupid football rivalry. Mm. Being like bitter or bigoted or tribalistic against people is is not the same as passion. Mm. Don't get me right. wrong. When we play Liverpool football, I want to beat them. I, I'm of course determined to beat them, but you never want your neighbours to do no, slightly better than you. Now, yeah. but now I'm just like appreciate them. Have you yeah. seen how they play? And I mean, anyone who tells me he dislikes Klopp, I'll, tell, I'll show you the liar. Because yeah. you just can't dislike the man, can you? It, he's just, he's audible and he just smiles. Well, I could continue this conversation all day. Yeah, let's forget about them now. Right, top or bottom? <laughs> Dead simple. Come from the bottom. Take it. Here we go. The bottom card. Is it a club? No. Ah, it's, you fixed it. It's a con. It's the three of hearts. Oh. That's okay. You can't get us straight, but yeah, any of these, if we can double one of them up, that's good. What's your three favourite TV shows ever? What a weird run of questions these are. Brilliant. Three favourite TV shows ever. That's tough. I don't watch that much TV. Uh, Not really, no. Uh, Could be embarrassing then, Okay, Monday Night Football. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, mate. It is fantastic TV, isn't it? Do you get any better pundits? The way they combine, the way they collide, then, then Carragher and Neville. So you don't really do it. Uh, after that, I'd say Fight Night. This I, is I amazing. And then after that... Is that even still on? No, yeah. uh, it's not a TV show. Just boxing, any boxing. So, yeah, and then after that, I would say... Grandstand. Ooh, you know what? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, I can't choose one more, but it's one out of three. Yeah, go ahead. It's tipping point, it's the chase, or it's catchphrase. Oh, my word. <laughs> say what you say. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. See, it's I, one of them I thought after what you said earlier, it went bullseye. Ah, look at what you could have won. <laughs> <laughs> look what card you could have pulled out instead of that. I'm all right with one of them going like that because okay. the first three, this is the whole point. The 50 is not a normal interview, so I'm going to move straight on from that absolute blowout and ask you to cut the cards and just read whatever card is face up. What you got? The 10 of spades. Oh, you didn't get a pair. Unlucky. And it is, who is the best person you've ever played against? Okay, fought against for you. <laughs> now, that's brilliant. Yeah, you don't play boxing. Right, that's exactly. Never a word okay. has been so misplaced. That's really, really interesting. Best person I ever Because I think David A came out, on his, and, and we'll get that in a second, but David A came out of his fights against you with very little respect, I think, from a lot of boxing fans, but more from you. That was the bizarre situation with that. You called him a warrior. Um, I don't think he'd have much for Cleverly. For no, sure. No. Um, okay. I'm intrigued. David is an amazing fighter. And he's one of the bravest people I've ever came across. To fight on the way he did in that first fight after the sixth round 
blowout of his Achilles tendon was just immense. Really was. People can't put into words. And let me tell you, I had a headache for four days after that first fight. Mm. Uh, literally, first fight was going absolutely fantastic in my opinion. Uh, after five rounds, I had him three two ahead. But make no mistake, there was only one person in that fight who was going to get tired as the fight went on. That was David. So that was always part of my game plan. But he showed immense bravery and I lost the plot and just tried to take his head clean off his neck after mm. round six onwards, which was a massive mistake on my part. I cleaned all that up in the rematch and it was just brutally one-sided, which every dog has its day and it is what it is. Uh, David's in a, I can't, I can't put him on high enough regard. If it wasn't for David Hay coming into my life when he did, I'd still be fighting right now. Yeah. Make no mistake. That first David Hay fight paid me more than my whole career combined three times over. Mm. So I have to always give him that respect and honour. The best person I ever faced, though, I'm sorry to say, mate, is without a doubt, Alexander Usyk. Right. I, and this is... Special. I don't get why he doesn't get talked about more in terms of where we are in the heavyweight division and probably because I really wouldn't want to... I think Fury won't give a damn, mm. but I don't think that our two want to go near him. Like, this guy is unbelievable. And, you know, I backed you to beat Hay mm. twice. I backed you. you to beat most people, as you know, that mm. you've ever fought. I didn't back you in that fight. I was just mm. so proud. And I thought, just retire off that one like you said you were. Don't, mm. I don't want to hear about another fight. I was like, I hope you just give a good account of yourself. You're ahead on the cards. Mm. But he is something else. And he is the ultimate proof to me that you would have fought Anyone? Oh, mate, you've got to. I, I just never. He is unbelievable thought. fighter. Thank you. He, do you know what the, the greatest asset about him, first and foremost, is his footwork. That's the most. That's the greatest asset he has to yes. his whole uh, uh, artillery. He could do to me and make the slight adjustments that I could do to other fighters over the years that made me so hard to combat against. That made me so resilient and how good I was. He was able to do them things to me. And people say to me all the time, "But you were winning after seven rounds. You know, going into the you were ahead." Doesn't matter. It's a 12-round fight. Hmm. If it was a seven-round fight, I'd be on this piece of cruiserweight champion of the world, but it wasn't. I was absolutely exhausted, and guess what? I had four, four more rounds to go, so he's a brilliant fighter, mate. He really is. Colour can't big him up high enough. People always ask me the questions, how will he do a heavyweight? Okay, let's just get down to it. I think he'll beat every single heavyweight out there besides two, and they're the big boys. I don't think he's big enough to beat AJ, and I don't think he's big enough to beat Tyson Fury. Yeah. The only thing that can beat him is size. And I just think, don't get me wrong, when he fights AJ, I think he'll be ahead. But then I think AJ will get to me or just walk him down. Gradually, he will get there. And when it comes to Tyson Fury, he just won't be allowed to get close enough. No. And, and you talk about footwork, big. and that's where Fury is mm. so underrated. And then when he, when he added in what he added in with Kronk, who we mentioned earlier, when mm. he got, I can't believe what he did. I that's cannot great. believe what he did. Sugar Hill's got him sitting down and punched a little bit. But let me just say it without... That's going to leave him very vulnerable going forward. The more he wants to sit down on punches, the more he's open to take one back. Mm. The only reason Deontay Wilder couldn't get there is because technically he's not good enough, Colin. Yeah. Deontay Wilder can't land them punches because technically he's, he's, he's way out the ballpark. He's the best one-trick pony in every boxing, right? Of course. He's the greatest one-trick pony I've ever seen. Yes. But listen, let's make no let, make no mistake. It's a hell of a trick. Yeah. That trick gets you. You wake up in an ambulance. It's as simple as that. <laughs> But it's so easy to see coming. It's not set up with anything. Even his jab is not very good. It was. No. Don't get me wrong. It was getting better, and he's, he's been showing signs of improvement as the fights go on. But let's just be honest. This guy was losing basically two fights for ninety percent of the time against Lewis Ortiz. Yeah, 
he was being outboxed in both fights. He was being dominated in both fights. The one trick pony came off, and that's because Luis Ortiz is about 105 years old. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. But uh, And he got, was losing both fights against Fury as well. Of course. Yeah. He was dominated by Tyson Fury. What you've got to do is you've got to weigh up guys what they can do, what they can't do. And there's so much that Deontay Wilder can't do in a boxing ring. Mm. I've always said this. He's like a basketballer fighting a boxer's fight. Yeah. Because his dynamics and the way he moves and how powerful and explosive he is, it's like it's all for the game of basketball. But he has this punch that just gets him out of trouble so many times. And he deserved an awful lot of credit for the last fight because he was taking a one-sided pounding and beating and he showed the heart of a lion. Mm. He will be back. Not anybody can carry out Tyson Fury's game plan. So don't think this guy's going to come back and everyone's going to be able to do that to him. That's not going to happen. Mm. Very, very few will be able to dictate the pace and dictate the range to Deontay Wilder like Tyson Fury did. Tyson Fury is a master boxer. I mm. know the question you're going to get to next. So what happens when AJ faces... No, not Fury? at all. Okay, well, great. Damn I don't have to answer I am going to slip in a little subsidiary. Okay. There was a little moment when you were offered Fury. Yes. Well, I wasn't offered him. David pulled out. David A. pulled out of a fight with Fury, is that right? For David on foot March the 4th. Yes. My brother died in August the 28th. Yeah. I was trying to get ready for the Hay rematch on December the 5th. Yes. David pulled out in November. I lost my mind and I was already in a bad, bad place. Thankfully, that fight never happened in December because I'm sure I would have attacked him. In a You're swinging room. from round one? I'd have gone crazy. I am yeah. genuinely thought that's the closest. I would have probably had a breakdown if yeah. I had fought him that night. Yeah. So thankfully, he pulled out. He got injured and pulled out. I phoned Tyson Fury. Tell a lie. I text him first of all. I te- sent him a text message. Hello, mate. It's Tony Bellew. Uh, I need to meet you and see you. If you reply back is, you're only Tony Bellew's mate. What am I going to be doing? Why am I going to come and meet you? I said, listen here, dope. It's Tony Bellew, mate. Can you read the message properly? And I said, will you meet me? He said, yeah, no problem. He said, uh, we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Haydock Racecourse, Travelling Express. See you Sunday afternoon. Turned up, walked into that uh, Travelling Express. I remember the receptionist looking at us walking. Man who's six foot nine walks in. She sees him. She knew he was Tyson Fury. I bounced in after him. She must have been a boxing fan. She, I just remember seeing her face going. Brilliant. And she must have thought, I'm going to have 999 on speed dial. <laughs> if these two kick off, no one's got a chance. <laughs> and he said to me, before we even sat down, he's pulled out, hasn't he? And I said, he has, yeah. I said, listen, I think me and you should fight. And he said, I, I need a warm-up. He said, I haven't fought in three years. I've been doing all kinds of nonsense to me body. And I said, you haven't got time for the warm-up. He said, if I don't have a warm-up, you've got a chance. Yeah. I said, Tyson, why do you think I'm here? Yes. Uh, if you have a warm-up, I've got no chance. I'm not stupid. Boxing's all about timing. I've got to wait for the, the stars to align to get anywhere near Tyson Fury. And he was like, no, no, I need the warm-up. I, you know, I can't be giving you a possibility or a chance against me. I was in the absolute primary career. You have to remember... I'd just beat David Hay, and I knew what I was on the verge of getting a huge fight. Everything was going perfect for me, and Tyson was at his worst possible stage. It's the only chance I would have had of even getting anywhere near him. And I still genuinely believe to this day, if I fight Tyson Fury before he has them two one fights, I'd probably knock him out. Yeah. Because if Steve Cunningham can hit him, I can do him. Yeah. And I'm in the prime, and he's been missing for three years as well. The minute he had them warm-up fights, I've got no chance whatsoever. That so you know what? I don't want to go anywhere near him. I phoned <laughs> him. I met him. By the way, the meeting went pretty simple. In the end, I talked him round, and we agreed everything. We agreed a deal of how we were going to split the things. We shook hands. And I came out the meeting, and I phoned Longlegs Eddie Hearn. And I said, Ed, I'm not fighting David Day in the rematch. 
we're fighting Tyson Fury. And he said, Tone, we can't do that. So <laughs> he said, I said, what do you mean? I said, we're doing it. He said he's unreliable. And at that moment in his life, he was the most yeah. unreliable man in boxing. Yeah. This was a guy who could pull out of a fight on 24 hours notice. He could pull out on the day of the fight. If he, you just don't know where he was at mentally. And I said, Ed, I just want to fight him. I've got a great opportunity. And you can imagine me and him going into the first press conference. I mean, he's going to be Batman. I'm going to be Bane. Gotham City's going to crumble. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. So... It's, uh, Did you pick Bane because of Leighton Baines? Of course, Baz yes. is always in my thoughts. I knew you were going to do that. Uh, so, <laughs> in the end, it didn't happen. And Eddie talked me round to leaving Fury alone and sticking with David Hay. And everybody knows what happened in the rematch. The rematch is the best I've ever performed in a boxing ring. Uh, I was just outstanding that yeah. night. I had a laser-like focus. It gave me an extra six months to grieve me brother and and, uh, and put everything right. And, and I'd done it, mate, on the night. It was the best, as I say, one of the best performances of my whole career. Five questions done. Yeah. One more to come, and that's the wild card. That's where I get to ask you anything. But I have to tell you that we release these two at a time. Okay. And the very next episode released on the same day is with David Hay. Okay. So if you could ask David Hay one question, yeah. what would it be? And that is my final question to you, and I will ask it to David Hay. I've already got the answers of the question I would have asked. Okay. The does question I would have asked is, do you respect me now? I know he does. But I'd love to get his answer to that. Uh, do you think he didn't before he, he didn't respect me boxing style he didn't respect me as a fighter he's always respected me as a man and a person but he didn't respect me as as the fighter I was and, and he, he didn't realise exactly what I could do you've got to remember I've known David for 20 plus years first time I ever sparred David had just won my first ABA heavyweight title David was getting ready to fight Mark Hobson for the British Cruiserweight Championship he needed sparring partners he came to Liverpool Adam Booth remembers the session quite perfectly and uh, he came in and he was David Hay. He was the great David Hay. And still to this day, and I'll always say, he hit me with a right uppercut that day. I've never been dropped or anything hit that bad in sparring, but that's singly the hardest I've ever been hit in my whole life. Wow. And, and, I, and people go, you've been stopped, you've been knocked down numerous times. He hit me so hard. It's all right, don't worry, we'll fix those headphones later. So this will pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Standing there, and I'm looking at David Hay like this. This has never happened before or after. Yeah. I've got my hands up like this. Yeah. David puts out a jab, and this sitting slips it. I didn't see it coming. He hits me with a right uppercut like this, bang, right on the chin. For no reason whatsoever. It's never happened before or after. And my back leg just done this. <laughs> so, what we just seen is the Minister of Silly Walks, basically. No, my back leg just kicked out like a donkey. <laughs> For no reason, unbeknown to anyone. And I said to David, good shot. And he looked at me as if to say, you are on some kind of sedatives or drugs or you must be on something because he, he couldn't understand yeah. how I was still standing. If that's dead in his memory and that's dead in your memory, mm. I think the worst memory is, oh my God, that didn't knock him out to take in the two fights all those years later or the, rather than I hit him I, with my best I, shot I, I and he didn't I go. I don't believe he genuinely remembers it. Wow. I don't think he does, but... Well, I will ask him, do you respect Tony Bellew now? And oh, we'll see exactly I, I, what he I know he does. Yeah, but I want to hear that. And then it'd be great to hear them both together in the same day. Well, Because you've I talked have. about your respect for him. I have so, massive respect for him. Yeah. Without David Hay, I'd still be fighting right now. That man single-handedly helped me secure my whole family's future. 52. Sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos. Tony Bellew, you've been an absolute joy as always. Thank you. Always a pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. No more bets. This podcast has been a Cop C production and Grosvenor Casinos is for over 18s only. Photographic ID may be required and please 
gamble responsibly.